0: Hello and Merry Christmas from the Fence End Podcast. We are here in slightly smaller numbers than, than usual um, because a few people are, are tied up doing Christmassy things. But I'm Liam and next to me we have... Matt. And then... Rosa. And then... Liam 2. And then... Kath. Lovely. And that's all of us. Um, Liam 2 will largely be providing sound effects uh, for us. <laughs>
1: We'll cut that.
0: Which is which he's been working on all year long. So uh we don't have our normal swear jar in the middle. What we do have is a yellow Oxford United Father Christmas hat, which we will be using, but unfortunately doesn't make a sound effect. You'll have to just take us on our word. But we won't swear anyway. If we do, it's pound in the jar, in the hat. And uh Double tax for anyone mentioning the place down the A four twenty or the C bomb, which includes the name of the current Sheffield United manager. Let's start by talking about the last few games. So we are now eight games unbeaten in all competitions, I believe, mm. um, including a draw against Gunthorpe, who were top. That was just after after last time we played. Um, uh, then we went through in the FA Cup with a much more convincing game. <laughs> than the, the previous one. And then we drew to Oldham and beat Barry. How are people feeling at the moment? Tenth place? Happy?
1: Yeah, definitely a more where I was kind of expecting us to be this season. I think a decent run, um, good results back to back finally. Um, sort of lifted us at the right time as well, I think. because. It was a time when everything was really close together and one win could bring you up loads and one loss could drop you down a lot. And now you're just starting to see those gaps open up um, between playoffs and mid-table and mid-table and relegation spots. So it's good Mm -hmm. to to keep ourselves in that top half rather than looking below.
0: Yeah, I think um, six weeks, two months ago, something like that, we were a point from the bottom four and four or five points from, from... Playoffs, now we're five points from playoffs <coughs> and nine points from the bottom four, mm. which is incredible. Most importantly, six points above um, certain teams that may be within a 30 mile vicinity. <laughs> Still conceding a few many sloppy goals? Fraser yeah. nods, which is no good for podcasts.
2: <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes, yes. Um, I was at Berry. yeah, and uh, I thought we conceded two silly goals. Mm-hmm. Um luckily a uh, certain Scottish striker exists who sort of pulled us out of it.
0: Yeah, let's once again just have a moment to appreciate the it's, Scottish. It's becoming legend. the
1: the monthly episode episodically um, moment of appreciation for Chris Maguire. Yeah. It? It's um, becoming a regular feature.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and you look at the Behind closed doors competition and the cocky celebration he did in that and stuff like that, and I just think mm. he's brilliant.
2: It's just a bit of a worry at the same time though because what uh, it, touching loads of words. If he got injured, would put it away, <laughs> Fraser. <if> we, <laughs> we
3: all we all <laughs> love Chris McGuire but come on, would it
2: would it, would it would we panic or? What would we, would we go we to every time he goes down here? and holds his Well, uncle. There was a moment at Berry, he went down for about 30 seconds, and I thought, do we riot now? Or what <laughs> happens? What, what do we do now?
3: Well, the other thing about about him is obviously when you get a, a game like the one we've got coming up on Boxing Day, where tensions can get a bit heated, and you know he loves a wind up, you just worry that he might end up doing something a little bit silly and winding someone up too much. Mm-hmm. And, You, you know, he, that, that kind of game is where he can either be the absolute Hero mm-hmm. who, who who does it like he did against you know uh, the local rivals, mm-hmm. or or he could or you think he could kind of have a bit of a a bit of a wobbly, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, and when when you look back at that game earlier in the season, um, you've got to think that he can see where the line is and stick to one side of it. But there's there's got to be that in everyone. I would have thought where you, you sort of worry that Perhaps mm-hmm. and the other thing with him, of course, um, contract talks and stuff like that. January transfer window coming up, it reaches a point where other clubs can talk to him to
2: sign for the new season. Um, it's going to be really tough to hold on to him, isn't it? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. be honest about it. Apparently, he, he 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 says he's enjoying his time here. You know, I know he's to disbelieve that, but I mean, it's going to be very tough, isn't it? I've decided
1: to um, put myself into a sort of mindset of this is a bonus year anyway. A lot of people didn't think we'd sign him in the summer. Mm, So everything we get out of him this year is something more than when we were going to Spain and he hadn't signed yet. We didn't think we'd have.
0: Including two spectacular free kicks, 11 goals um, on target to be in the 20s to anyone who's we need a 20 goal a season strike I I can't do the impression Fraser can Um, but I I just think he is the kind of player who can um, even in games when he's not playing well he can just pull something out of the bag
1: Um, it's a point actually because I saw I think it was today in the papers that will be really relevant because it's going to not come out for a few days but um, uh, Appleton was talking about championship clubs scouting our players Um, and that it's maybe come a bit earlier with some of them than he thought it would and things like that. But um, as, and it's to the same as the Chris McGuire point, as with when O'Dowd left and Roof left, I think as long as they stay away from him, I'm quite happy for them to look at whether it's, you know, Ledson and Lundström and whoever, as long as they leave. Him alone. Yeah, I think well, Michael Appleton is the central figure to all of it. How do we get you know the young players who want to come leave Manchester United and Everton to come and play football for Oxford? It's yeah. because of Michael Appleton.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think I would be a Appleton's lot more the, concerned. The one we don't want to lose, really. Yeah. Um, I saw a tweet earlier from Joe, who unfortunately can't be here today, but um, he said about the fact that. He's doing things right. He manages to, when we sell players, get young players who have mm-hmm. similar abilities coming in, yeah. which is the mm-hmm. way
3: to do it. The important thing is that he brings in players who, you know, I a lot of them are very young players who come from come down from Premier League clubs and things like that, but he adds value to them. So they're players that you've not heard of at all, mm-hmm. unless you follow, you know, the Premier League B teams or, or anything, but we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But the, he, he kind of takes these, these, these players and he they they make you know, he gives them a platform to kind of make their name here at, at Oxford and it's it's good for the player, but obviously mm-hmm. it's, it's good for us too because It was actually Oxford,
1: really interesting that he said recently after they went to Bishop Abbey about um having to guide the players slightly differently this year, that there weren't the the big um big personalities in the squad barring Maguire obviously. Um, but last year you had players like Roof, who although he was young, he kind of you could say go out onto the pitch and express yourself, and he would. Whereas this mm-hmm. year he has to, he's had to be a little bit more. Your job specifically is this. Yeah. But it's one of the things I really love about him is how much he's willing to. To tweak what he does how he talks to the players how he treats the players rather than you get an old school manager and it's like well i only know one way of coaching If the players don't respond to it then we get rid of them and we get new players in yeah and he's constantly adapting <laughs> yeah naming no names because i don't want to put two pounds in the jar exactly um but yeah different managers have different ways of doing things but i really like having a young up-and-coming manager who's willing to admit mistakes and then actually learn from them rather mm-hmm. than just go, that thing's still not working that I'm doing. Oh, well, it can't be my fault. I'll yeah. blame someone else.
0: Yeah, and, and talking to the media about what he's doing and about that mm. stuff. Quite often everything's like, well, well, I'll give a, a go-to answer. But he seems quite open and honest and says, I've reached a line in the sand moment, and then a couple of games later says, here's what I've changed. And that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. the
1: people moaning in the Oxford Mail about, well, you know, he should have learned this two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh. absolutely.
3: Uh, just going back on your, to your point, Liam, um, obviously I know people in the media... Who, who obviously work with, with him quite a lot. And they've said, you know, never worked with a manager who's as open and honest and prepared to talk about the kind of the craft of management mm-hmm. as, as he is. He seems very, you know, I think you get with some managers, again, naming no names, <laughs> uh, who, who are a little bit, they talk down to um, the press and to the fans in that they think, you know, I know about management, this is my job, you're, you guys are amateurs and you don't know what you're talking about. Whereas I think Appleton is, is what, what, and one of the reasons I think that fans kind of warm to him is that when you hear him talking he talks you know he, he's quite happy to talk about what what he's thinking about things and, and and how he does things on a kind of a you know almost on, a, on an equal level and you kind of feel like he, he's sharing some insight with you and not just talking down to you which yeah. you know and again if he if he deals with his players in the same way treating them with a bit of respect and you know no, no wonder they, they want to play with him because they probably feel valued and like so, so and
1: understand the entire plan of why are we doing this drill? Well, we're not just going to do this drill all day because I haven't thought of anything else. We're doing it because yeah, and then have the set thing. And I think that's yeah, like you say, the way he talks to the press is just something we've not really had before.
2: Though interestingly, we saw something rarely. Inst- olden didn't we he actually lost yeah. it for the first time and was sent to the stands
0: yeah I was really hoping to see the first like single punch death <laughs> if you haven't seen it there's an <laughs> yeah. amazing video of
2: area. Selfie on Radio Oxford sort of doing that he films himself mm. and puts it on Twitter and he's talking about Appleton being sent to the stands and Appleton walks behind him and he just sort of looks like a man possessed. And yeah. like, oh my God, I wouldn't want to cross it and it. <laughs> no.
1: Well, He's always very good at keeping that behind closed doors, isn't he? He does lose it. Um, yeah. As I think we've said in the past, there's notice boards and various grounds across the country with fist marks in yeah. them yeah. to attest to that. But he doesn't lose it in front of the crowd. He doesn't. Yeah. he gets angry with the players when they're not doing what they should be doing he doesn't l- like lose it and he did then but then the first thing he did was come out and say well, I immediately apologise to the players because yeah. they shouldn't lose it like that and neither should I and you kind of just go mm. oh I love him I, I, I do with love
2: that, him I think Rob Hall in his interview comment on they, the, the players actually quite liked it to a certain extent because yeah. he He's showing the how passion.
0: passionate he yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. And if that guy's passionate about something, I'd go along with it because <laughs> yeah. he might smash But then fancy.
1: apologizing shows humility to the yeah. players as well and, and professionalism. It, it brings them all together and their He's you know, just a room.
2: king. Never leave Michael. Please. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, let's move on to what what players are in form at the moment that we're enjoying, other than Chris Maguire, and players that maybe need a bit of confidence. Shea's obviously someone who's in need of a bit of a hug, maybe. Um, mm. he, he just seems to be caught every so often out of position.
1: I think a lot of that is confidence. I think he gets in his head. You see him on the pitch, almost wind mm-hmm. himself up of... I, I buggered that up right I can't do that again can't do that again and it's almost like it becomes he's going out on the pitch going I really don't want to mess up and that's what he was like when he first came here he was so Mm. desperate to make an impression and actually no, we know what you can do now so and we know he can do it at this level as well it's not you know at the start of the season he was one of our better players it Mm. just seems that's why he's
0: in the back of um, Aaron Martin's heel but he doesn't have any competition now. It's fine,
3: absolutely fine. But the thing with Shea is, I think uh, if he gets through the first five or ten minutes in a game without any rickets, he'll he'll be absolutely fine. But you know, he as you say, if 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 something, he just needs to get through those first sort of period to just get his confidence up. You see, I mean, it, particularly last season and when he first kind of came into the first team, you'd see him in the first few minutes. He'd be like, "Don't pass to him. Don't pass to him," because you'd think he's he's got so many mistakes in him. And then he would grow into the game, and you see his confidence building. So he's—I think he's very much a confidence player. I think if he gets through, you know, the first few minutes of a game, and he, you know, makes a few good challenges and nothing goes wrong, he'll grow from there. So I think it's—and yeah. then
1: needs a few games where he doesn't do anything and that it really? yeah. He's just got it, to be
3: carefully managed, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's like as we said when he first came in and he had those few mistakes. It was like he was desperate to show he was of League Two's standard and wasn't a conference player and now he's doing the same thing again to say, no, I really want to show I'm a League One player Um and there's that's causing him to make the mistakes.
0: Do you think that potentially um you've got a <clears throat> situation um whereby we're being too critical in the sense that you look at last season and you go, oh, well, our keepers were rubbish, weren't they? Sorry, Benji, we love you. Um, Our keepers are rubbish, and then at the end of the season, we've got the best defensive record in the league. We've just, like, we're in a run of eight games without a loss, and we're going fans aren't in for all, are they? So maybe it's, it's well, just mean, too critical.
1: Well, it's like Marvin Johnson, isn't it? A left back, and everybody's like, oh, he's not a left back, is he? he looks awful at left back. You know, he's been man of the match in the last two games or whatever. It's I, I other than Chris Maguire.
0: He's got a touch of a few players. Um, Andy Wing, when he first came in. Dean Smalling, obviously, fits this bill as well. They, there What's are still now? people going... Um, Oh, he's he's rubbish. He needs to show his worth. He's set up a lot of goals. Yeah. And bear in mind the person left wing last season who was very ill pre-season, well, and <laughs> he's life. getting better now. Um, is three assists last season, and that is the job of a winger primarily to get down the wings mm-hmm. and put the ball in for someone else to score. Three assists in the whole season. I don't know how many Johnsons had, but it's we a fair amount. Three in more the than last that.
3: two games.
0: Well, he he of course set <laughs> up the Barry defender for that remarkable finish. <laughs>
1: Well, I was... would like to say to the Berry Defender that if he doesn't attempt to cut it out, he did an awful job of cutting it out, but if he doesn't, it's a tap in on oh, the backpost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. but because it was a great ball across that was perfectly between the keeper can't can't come and get it. No. And the And he's done has... that a few times
0: and And when he, he looks all... out as
1: Baret's is Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, that's that the kind happens. of ball that like defenders have a nightmare Hem- about.
1: Hem Hemings will thrive on as well, and I think we'll start to see a bit more of him reacting to things. I mean, you know, people people moan that he doesn't do the Hilton job, but then then they moan that we haven't got somebody in the six yard box scoring tap-ins. But yeah. when Hemmings scores tap it's well, you know, it's only a tapping, wasn't it? My mum could have scored that. And I was yeah. like, yeah, but she wouldn't have been there, would she? Because yeah. she have been. Well, I My think mum's sixty should have been on the halfway line somewhere, <laughs> going, "What? What do you want me to do?"
3: But yeah, that's Hemming's role, isn't it? He's 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 not, as you say, he's not the kind of he's not going to press the defence and he's not going to be that much of a nuisance to them all the time. His what he's very good at doing is escaping his marker yeah. or just finding the right space. And 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 he's probably the best finisher we have, certainly from within the within mm. the the area. Yeah, you know, no, no. I doubt think the it.
1: goal against Coventry. the f- um, I think it was the first goal where it just fell to him and he just took it first time, slotted it under the keeper, showed that. It's that when you've got no time to think, he can mm-hmm. fight. Maybe when he's got time to think is when he struggles, but actually when he's got no time to think, he is a great finisher.
0: Talking about time to think on stuff, uh, Robbie Hall's goal against Oldham mm-hmm. was insanely good.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. It was great. Um, and if anyone hasn't seen the Fence End podcast um, calendar gifts. Um, I don't know if that is in line to be in in this one because I'm not in charge of the Twitter. But in future years,
1: it's not because I made them all before he scored that goal. <laughs> um,
0: we well, in future it's years, we to think about. yeah. So always leave them wanting more. It's yeah. the important thing. But yeah, what an incredible goal! You could see that he had the dummy and so much time to think about it for his first goal since coming back and after first eight goal months for injured, two years I think it was. Yeah. And uh, no-one's saving that, are they?
1: Well, that's why I wonder whether... At the moment, obviously, Johnson's playing left-back because Scars is out. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a job of necessity and also get your best players in the squad. But I wonder whether Maka is the one to give way when Scars is back and actually you play two left-wingers but Hall on the right so that he can cut in and do that. Johnson gets down the wing and gets the crosses in and Hall runs at people, gets on his left foot and... Mm-hmm. Gets shots away, which is quite exciting, thought.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the and other...
1: terrifying if you're a fullback as yes. well. As either okay. of them, one of them running outside you, and one of them cutting inside for a fullback is just.
0: Yeah, I know the Oldham game was a draw, but just watching watching the team break in the second half was brilliant. It was great, mm. um, and ended up was it twenty three shots or something shots on target is. Yeah.
3: that is the thing though we've done that so much uh, this yeah. season I don't think I, th- I think uh, you have to look at the stats but I th- they, we I think have had more shots on goal than any other team in the, in the league yeah, yeah last year I think
1: yeah. we were kind of the op- we put away a yeah, lot of our we weren't clinical. and every reason we weren't creating enough but when we were getting lucky that we were finishing the, what we were creating and now we're creating too much and we're not finishing enough of it but I'd rather be creating too much. I think at least we're getting it's, in there, and
3: it's better to to watch, isn't it? You know, there's always, yeah. always excitement. <clears throat> yes. Oh
1: yeah,
0: definitely. And you th- you go into each game thinking we will have the opportunity to win it, uh, which is obviously more interesting. Um, the other player who I think you know he scored now um, after a, a little time without waited until we had a low crowd again, and then Ryan Taylor scored. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah want him to do it. Do it on Boxing Day, mate. It's like
1: that uh, that enigma. Um, if a tree falls if t- falls in the forest and nobody's around, yeah, yeah, If yeah. Ryan Taylor scores and it's only the Johnson's Paint Trophy, does it really count?
0: Yeah. Um, it it's a good finish as well. No, it doesn't. Count. Well, it, like I know it doesn't because it's a reserve game, but um, it's a decent finish. And his flipped on for the third goal. Oh, is- it was oh stunning, that that yeah. reminded
1: me of um his one for Roof against. That lot, last year. He had a great little flick for, for the first goal. Well,
3: there. that's a real value, though, isn't it, of Taylor? He's not, he's not a goal scorer. We, I know we've talked about this before, and we're kind of going over our ground, but Absolutely. I think we need to keep saying it because people keep saying, oh, he doesn't score enough, he doesn't score enough. Which is not the point. I know he's a striker, but he 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 creates stuff he 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 holds the ball up but he's
1: the only one in the squad who plays that kind of dimension i know hemmings can flick the ball on but he he's not he's going to flick it on rather than get it on his chest and try and bring it down which is what taylor tries to do a lot more the ball looks like it's a flick on and actually he'll back into the defender to bring it down yeah Um, Yeah. and nobody else in the squad plays that role and sometimes we probably haven't played that when we could have done when we've when maybe we've had um, Roberts up front against two six foot five monsters, and you think he needs somebody bringing the ball down and rolling it into him rather. And
3: yeah, yeah. The thing is, there, there are people who will celebrate when he leaves the club. But if we don't replace him with another player who can fill that role, there are so people going, you know what, we haven't had a player who can do that since Ryan Taylor. It's going to be one of those, you know. Just don't you know. I like I think this is,
0: it's the difference between an attacker and a striker, isn't it? a striker is there to to shoot on sight to strike. and an attacker is there to aid the attack when it when it comes and he is a brilliant brilliant attacker um and his his touch is incredible he went out and played on the left earlier in the season and and looked so comfortable there and has played there against uh sorry for Rotherham
1: yeah i think with the squad the way it is at the moment he's definitely like third possibly even fourth choice but as I say he is that option that nobody else gives us and yeah just because he's not like the first name on the team sheet or in the first 11 doesn't mean sometimes we're not going to want to change tactics and say actually big man up top Mm. that's not necessarily Shea Dunkley (laughs) granted we have (laughs) used that occasionally
0: yeah let's use Liam for his sound effects and ask what grinds Matt's gears.
3: Well, I was going to suggest that maybe
0: you should do it in the style of one of the parts you play, because you're in a play at the moment. I am in a play at the moment. Oh, in
1: crow- the- sorry, sorry that's, the, sorry, that's the noise of a crowbar, I think. <laughs> Hang on. Um,
3: but where, where might we see this, this play? Uh,
0: it's at the Little Theatre in Chesham. Um, where, in Chesham. in in Buckinghamshire. Um, So not too far away from Oxford if anyone was... Other plays
1: are available.
0: Yeah, not as good though. So, um, well, I play... um, I played Jacob Marley um, and Scrooge's nephew Fred, uh, as well as The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come. He has no lines at all, so I can't do it in that one. But uh, Fred, I do sort of a a Hugh Laurie impression, essentially, from Blackadder. And so I'll go, "What grinds Matt's gears?"
3: I, I suppose what has really been winding me up is obviously uh, this arguing between basically sections of the fans who are the, the most vocal supporters and, and they the ones who travel up and down the, the, the country, and uh, you, know, the actual club hierarchy itself. it seems, you know, crazy to me that um, the club would be looking to, to alienate. Any of its fans, let alone the ones who are kind of the most um, kind of do, do the most to, to kind of build the atmosphere and sort of spread the word. I mean, a lot of people know Oxford fans now as being you know all the flags and all of that. It's 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 become a thing. You know, when you've noticed that um, people have noticed that the flags are missing, all of a sudden they go, "Well, this is a bit rubbish, isn't it?" Like you forget just how soulless. The stadium is without them. Without them there, and I think we're, we, you know, we're really missing them. To, for the club to kind of um, not value what they bring is is such a just a, a misstep for them. Now I understand, obviously. Um, arguments about health and safety. Well, to be honest, I don't actually understand that. I don't see how waving a flag is real is a real health and safety problem. But I can understand that there may be some problems about waving flags and things like that. And, and, and there's some talk about the, the rules being in place for quite a while, that you're not supposed to be waving flags. But they've not obviously not been enforced in the same way. And I kind of think if the club are going to sort of start enforcing... The rules differently, which I can understand with a with a new safety officer coming in. But these things need to be communicated to the, to the fans. And there's there's you know in the past there's been a dialogue between supporters and and the club, um, and I don't really think that there's, that they've you know you, you would expect that if there's a problem to that they have, just communicate. That's all it needs is a bit of communication between the two parties. And I suppose that's the other thing. It kind of brings me onto a wider point, is that the the club seems to have done less this season to engage with its fans, engage the supporters. You know, the communication side of things is at, at times this season being a bit of a mess. I mean, hopefully, I think what we're seeing now and hopefully at the start of the next, you know, next half of the season, they're going to start to address a few of those problems. And I think, hopefully, the lessons have been taken on board. But obviously, we'll see Well, there must have goes. been
0: dialogue between that you know those those people and the club because they get in early and put up the flags so how easy would it be to say it there and then like they they must have an agreement whereby they turn up and they're let in
1: yeah, yeah and do. i think i think the the point of communication is i think what made this much you know blew up much bigger is as you say there's just been a a deterioration in that communication level and in tiny little incremental bits that have made people feel a bit less than they did perhaps last year and that snowballed and then this is like the the straw that broke the camel's back.
3: Exactly yeah this is a combination of something that's been going on all season I don't think it's kind of and come probably out probably from
1: the club side as well where you know there's lots of things little things that are annoying Daryl with the you know not being able to have the restaurant and all those things and then he's done the same thing and it's also been the straw that broke the camel's back from his point of view in that well I'm you know I'm fighting all these battles So So is it potentially,
0: and this is not planned, me to go back to this, but a referee that sees so many fouls and then books someone on the other team because he thinks, next foul, I'm just going to explode?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think probably slightly is. Um, And I've seen people have brought up the the smoke bombs and things, but the only time we've ever had smoke bombs at the Kazam, they're in the North Stand. That's not where the ultras stand. So to bring that up is completely beside the point, really. Um, as I said, I think, um, the, the fact people sudden, you know, were so shocked when the flags came down kind of makes the ultras point a bit, which is what, you know, people have said, whether they threw their toys out of the pram personally, I hate that saying because it's only there to make somebody feel small anyway, but, um, whether they did overreact or not when they took the flags down, which they spend a lot of time and effort and money making and then putting up when they don't do that. God, it's a depressing place mm-hmm. and that's something we really need um, and that the club, sh- you know, did clearly reacted the wrong way, whether it was belatedly telling them the rule and then whether it was how they reacted afterwards, whatever it was, you know, that's a huge part of the fan base that really should be made to feel important because they are.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I I don't know the individuals that, that make up the ultras but it, you look forward to those games earlier in the season when we won 2-0 against a team quite close to us. Um, you look at Wickham last season, just so many points. You think, oh, they're doing something this game. And it's it. And also always... from
1: being in the Oxford down, the buzz around us in that game you refer to, the 2-0 win over that lot, uh, it makes it quite hard to talk about when I'm so tight. I don't want to put money in a jar (laughs) um but the buzz around where we were because we had no idea what was on the flag it was a big hidden you know a big secret so actually people were then scouring social media waiting for somebody from the north stand or the south stand to put a picture Mm. of the east stand, knowing that somebody would to see what it was and then when it did the reaction to the the ox spearing the robin was was brilliant it was brilliant still
0: used and the club used so many images of what the ultras do in their branding earlier this
3: season ironically they actually organized took it upon themselves to tell the fans i've got that i've got another problem with that (laughs) but i'm not going to start on that now but they, they they kind of said this game is flag day bring a flag wave a flag
1: also, yeah. the only photograph on a ticket, I didn't know this because I never get tickets because I got a season ticket, but we've moved for Boxing Day so we can sit with other family members so have physical tickets for it. The only photograph on it is of a child waving a flag.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which I i believe the ruling is big flags, not during the game, but you can before, at half-time, during goals and after the game.
1: Which is comes back to the health and safety point of makes it completely moot yep. because... If you can wave it if it's at dangerous some to point, wave it, it's yeah.
0: Dangerous to wave it. Like, why? Why say it's health and safety? It's obviously to stop people's views being blocked. Yeah, say that.
3: But the, the the other part of that is they stand at the back of the stand. The only people whose views are being blocked are, are themselves. Yeah. who who are quite happy to do it. So there's just it doesn't seem to be an issue. With the waving of the flags. I just don't understand Even why if it has there's been made a designated
0: flag waving area. But it I think it this
1: comes down to things. the fact, yeah, the club never made an official one. There was talk of it about yeah. five years ago or so, but it was never done. But, I mean, it's a bit of a modern football thing, isn't it? To require a designated flag well, wavers, a, hardcore yeah, ultras, word. singers section. Yeah. If you don't go to the football very often and you can't stand up for very long, would you buy a ticket it's not exactly. the best view in the ground in fact it's a pretty awful view whether you've got a flag in the way or not you sit you, or you stand in that very back center of the goal position because you know that's where the singers congregate yeah, can exactly. you imagine somebody in, you know in the London road saying excuse me could you all you know, I can't stand for very long. I, I, I'd like to sit down on this terrace. No, because it's a terrace. You don't do that. I kind of feel like there's a bit of common sense in play from fans. Yeah, everybody should have the right to a good view and be able to see. But also, if if you put a ticket there, that's that's how football works. Everybody's always known that's how football works. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but anyway, I'm, I'm always uh, just the kind of fan that will hope the club is doing the right thing and so we'll always try and see that daryl Eels has said that it should have been handled better from the club's point of view i like to see that it looks as if things like social media are now being addressed which is another good thing so hopefully what the ultras have done in taking down their flags has turned a corner a bit and yeah if it's that, a kick start
1: and as of 2017 we go everything everything is as it great was, again yeah yeah, and they, they, they now that's, we're at the bottom and there's an up curve now, then...
0: Especially as um, the, the thing I'll, I'll put against the fans, and it's not the ultras, it was the general game against Oldham. The flag started coming down. There's no way the whole stadium knew what was going on. But there was booing, there was jeering, there were chants. And all of a sudden we're 1-0 down. And we didn't get back into it that half. I think there's a massive correlation. The, the atmosphere was absolutely appalling. Well, I
1: think the atmosphere has always contributed hugely. I mean, we saw it in the conference days of when we were expecting to be 2-0 up 15 minutes into the game, and if we weren't, it turned into a pretty nasty place at yeah. times. You know, if we were playing Histon and everybody thought, you know, as a village team, we shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that's one of the major things that's changed. Whether that's you know it's one of those things of which what came first did the players on the pitch just go well we're going to not you know block that out and and play better football or did the crowd change their yeah. attitude towards it or was it just that promotion to League Two and the upturn of form in that that made the difference? But, yeah, again though no, I know. think you need
3: to give some of, some credit there to, to the ultras because they, one of their stated ends as well as the flag I know everyone talks about the flags and the visual side of things but one of the things they've always tried to do is they want to sing 90 minutes no and matter keep what keep it
1: going yeah when it goes quiet I've definitely noticed this year that when we if we concede the chant starts very quickly yeah um, and that's something that maybe it didn't do before and there was that hush and the murmur that you get and it's yeah. a weird place to watch football and we haven't had that in the last few years
0: um, but Bearing in mind how absolutely awesome Darrell Eels is as a as a chairman, and seems like a top notch type of guy, um, let's let's assume that he's doing what he can to sort it all out. Yeah. Because it, you, it, we can't have one situation goes wrong and all of a sudden he's the bad guy because he has done so much and, and he is appreciated for it.
3: Yeah. And I yeah. think ultimately, you know, he, he wants the the club to be successful on and off the field. Mm-hmm you know, all the supporters want exactly that as well. We, you know, everyone kind of needs to pull together. So then the, the the ultras and the club and, and any supporters who have a kind of a grievance, they need to, there needs to be a channel of communication where everyone can kind of come together, get everything out open and honest and come to an, an agreement that this is, that, that kind of keeps everyone happy. Because there's no reason why, you know, the ultras shouldn't be allowed to do what they want to do and do it, you know, in a way that, that doesn't, you know, annoy other fans or, or put people at risk and also the, you know, there's no, there's no reason why the, the, the club needs to micromanage everything all the time in the, in that stand because the fans will sort it out themselves yeah as with
1: everything it's fine with that middle ground isn't exactly. it and, but as you say hopefully that's the thing as Daryl said he recognised that he perhaps went about it the wrong way and now that they'll look to find a middle ground yeah
0: I mean he's a, he's a human right? Like, he will handle things incorrectly um, yeah we just need to
3: recognise they're all on the same side
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, looking at the next few games, um, we've obviously got Boxing Day against a non-rival but relatively close team, um, who are. Carrying well they a three rival in the same players. way that
1: Stevenage and Dagenham were? Yeah. Probably. In that way that we had, we were one and two last year, and yeah. therefore there was a there was a rivalry formed, but not a. Local, no or not of a vicious derby. one like it just no. yeah it's, it's one that, that will nice. dissipate as as time passes because we're not going to be rivals with them this year in terms of team places no so. a, another
0: team that that gets a lot of stuff and I know there's more history between us and them is Bristol Rovers. I saw a great tweet today someone said um about you know we'd be we'd be better off if we had matt Taylor <laughs> um and the response uh was was brilliant, which was, yeah, look at what they're doing in the league. Sorry.
3: But Matt Taylor has scored a lot of goals. I'm just <laughs> putting that out there. He has scored a lot of goals, even with them not doing that well. Yeah, but he's an idiot. And in he a, in he a better team. Want to play for us. Yeah. Awesome. That's
1: my fundamental problem with him, is exactly. with anybody. If they don't want to play for us, then I don't want them to play for us either. Mm. So. You could spend your life
2: playing shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know. Yeah. He didn't sign for us, you know.
3: Well, if we had signed him, we might not have signed, you know, Hemmings or or I don't know who who would have been the natural replacement necessarily. But, you know, I'm quite happy with the squad we've got personally.
1: Mm. Yeah, how much of the budget would have gone on his wages that stopped us getting potentially... Well, yeah. not as much as Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but anyway, we've That's got... That's why they've Bops got a really today. good
1: striker and still well, aren't doing very well in the league. Well, exactly. because it's all-eggs-in-one-basket situation. So, yeah. you
3: know, maybe we would be top six if we had him, plus everyone else we've got right now. Yeah. But, you know, we have a budget, and so do Bristol Rovers, and so does everyone else in the league. You can't just break it no. on one player.
0: No, and when teams do, you see them spiral down a few years later, so... Um, right, lot, so. Sorry,
3: just to go back, on, it reminds me of a, a comment I read on Twitter today about the Mark Wright era. They said he spent a huge amount of money on two or three players, and then filled up the entire rest of the squad with junk. It just proves it doesn't work.
0: So yeah, we've got, box, we got Boxing Day. Um, I think, runner form-wise, it should be a win. We've just beaten Barry. I, like, I can't believe we actually won it, because it was That's the real That's such
1: traditional, warrant. oxygenated, loss written all over it game, yeah. isn't it? Yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. Um, We've then got Walsall, Gillingham, Rotherham, Um, obviously another poor run of form at the minute. Um, And then Wimbledon. How are people getting to Wimbledon? Oh, Overground, underground, so... yeah.
1: We're I probably going to have, have to have, have wumbles, that. Yeah, you are the wumbles
0: aren't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. yeah you can gonna... do your tumbleweed there, <laughs> Fraser, if you like. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs>
1: That's fine. He's going to do that joke again in the next episode.
0: So how many points do we reckon we'll get from Northampton, Walsall and Gillingham?
1: I'm going to go seven again. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to tell you which game we're going to draw.
0: I'm going to go seven, and I think we're going to draw against...
1: You I don't want it to be Northampton. I don't want it to
0: be Northampton. It's Boxing Day game. Boxing
1: Day will either be nil-nil or we'll wipe the floor with them, like we did Exeter yeah. last year. If it
0: is bad, though, cheer yourself up by making your way to Chesham for the evening. <laughs> no. No, it's five o'clock start, so you'd miss it. But it's on until the 30th. Until bad the game is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say seven. I'm going to say the draw will be Gillingham.
3: Mm. Can I finally do away with the whole four points amount thing?
0: Well, what do you actually think it will be? If it's less than
3: four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's going to be six. Ooh, so there we go. Who are we going to lose to? Let's, let's not. That's let's not, like let's not go there. So
1: the negativity's still it's there. Still he's got six, there. but he's still secretly four points matter at heart. It's those. just
0: so. If we lose one, you can go, well, I No, don't no. Say.
3: I have one in mind. I just would rather not say it because, oh, okay. you know. I don't want to think about it, okay. if I'm honest.
2: I'm actually genuinely going to hit up a nine pointer again. I think we're really hitting a good.
1: We do hear. have a good level of we, optimism and pessimism
2: amongst us we a good bit of form now. And Liam too. I'm going to go
0: for six. I reckon we're going
2: to win a boxing game. Oh, I we're, then. we're going to lose a game after
3: that. Oh,
0: in like a in day, day, day after the Lord Mayor's show. Time to oh.
2: come down, sort of.
0: Yeah. Situation. Day
1: yeah. after the Lord Mayor's show, not just after the Lord Mayor's show, no. but the day
0: after. Yeah, well, if there's an All Mayor's show, you'd probably go for drinks afterwards and you leg bit of the night a bit. Just watch mm-hmm. the show, that sounds a bit dull. Uh, and then leading into, uh, we've got Boxing Day, as mentioned, uh, Walsall, and then Gillingham is the 2nd of January, so we've got a transfer window coming up. Um, what, what do we want to see coming into the building other than just players who are match fit?
1: I would like...
0: What would you like for Christmas, cat? I would
1: like... Mm-mm-mm. I don't know, because I, th- I feel like a fullback. Not me personally. Yeah, what do you look <laughs> like, though? <laughs> but um, I can't decide, because I'm I'm, in my head I'm going, well, Ribeiro, How f- I don't know how far away he is. I think he's running again. You um,
0: saw, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, mid to late in, January.
1: Yeah, um, that was the, the original timescales. Yeah. So that kind of makes me feel like a full, certainly a right fullback is unnecessary. And mm-hmm. I think Johnson's doing all right at the moment. Um, yeah, I think more important than pe- I think bodies in the building is important. Yeah. As terms of starting eleven, I'm fairly comfortable with where we are at the moment. So probably Possi- a, a few players
0: yeah. who can play in four or five positions.
1: Yeah, I think so, and possibly, and in the forward areas, mm-hmm. um, it would be nice to not have to rely on Maguire quite so much. And if a left back that was going to improve us and be better than Scars, then that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in in January, I'm not sure you get that. Um, that's my my worry is with the January transfer window. I don't think you can do really good business and I think, it's much more a covering of players than than we're going to replace Scars we're going to replace Lundstrom whatever I don't think yeah. that'll happen I think,
0: I think one of the things ones. that he's sort of hinted at strongly is that in Mullins and Hilton going we've lost a laugh um, and Maka still seems like a joker
1: and we, we've lost players in those 26 to 28 they're not old players but they're older characters who've yes. been around dressing rooms for a, for a long time Um mm. and and as that you say kind of they're rivalry. a bit of a laugh and they've got they know how to pull that dressing room together whereas younger players don't know how to do that so much because they've not been in which is possibly
0: it well. what Appleton's talking about that he's, I've got to tell yeah, them what to so do so although he can't jest with them he's got to be the one putting yeah. the arms around the shoulders saying
1: yeah you know, and I mean this, you've got this. Lundstrom but he's what 24 25? yeah he's, he's not old um and and again with the other one that was captain the other day was Nelson, who's twenty three, I think. So yeah. it, you know it's a very young squad at the moment. Mm. So yeah, I think possibly more experienced players who aren't necessarily going to be pushing or will be pushing for first team places, but aren't necessarily going to be replacing first team players. But are yeah. a bit more about the whole squad game.
0: Mlhaskey,
3: the the trouble with those you heard it here first.
1: Um, a millionth time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See,
3: this is where we need Paul, because he, he would have a list of players he scouted. Yeah. And to be fair, <laughs> I think in the last transfer window, he was like, yeah, Raglan would be a really good signing. And he, you know, he just seemed to... He, he he nailed it on a couple of those. Yeah. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, though, about bringing in players, you know, 26 to 28 and all that, that's kind of when players are at their peak and a player that can kind of walk come into the side playing... His best football Mm. in January is is not going to come cheap. No, that's the more important thing, actually, isn't it? That we don't lose players. I I think again, like last year,
1: Chris Maguire to sign an extension. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that would be be my dream Christmas present.
2: Yeah.
1: So if you could, if you're listening, Mr. Eels.
0: uh, Well, and Mr. Maguire.
1: And Mr. Maguire. Yeah, Yeah. I've got spare room (laughs) if you need it. So. I don't know. My husband can move into that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, whether you are listening to this before or after Christmas, maybe even Christmas Day as a treat, uh, have a great Christmas, or hope you had one, and have a wonderful New Year uh, 2017. I don't know if it will be as good footballing-wise as 2016 for any Oxford fans, but... Let's hope it is. Let's hope that they carry on doing what they're doing. Um, Have a great couple of weeks. Drink lots, eat lots, and have a great time. Uh, Thanks for listening.
1: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas.